0: Hey, Brainiacs, producer Scotty here, and our team at Leatherbrains knows that we have the smartest listeners in the entire fantasy football landscape, which means you're probably busy wheeling and dealing and making money moves, so you might not have time to listen to a full-length podcast before kickoff every Sunday. But I have a solution for you. Head on over to leatherbrains.com, sign up for our newsletter, and we will send you the fantasy insights that you need directly to your email each and every week. The best part? It's totally free of charge. So we'll see you at leatherbrains.com. But in the meantime, sit tight and enjoy the latest episode of the Leatherbrains Fantasy Football Podcast.
1: Hey, slap Dog! The Brainiacs are ready. Welcome in. To Leather Brains, your host Slapdog here, and boy, do we have a lot to discuss. And today, we got a mock draft, ladies and gentlemen. Hmm. We're going to be talking about mock drafts. We're going to be talking about draft strategy. We're going to do some preseason camp discussion and cleanup there. I am joined today by both Scotty Del Rey and Alan on the mics. Gentlemen, welcome aboard to episode One twenty three, 123, baby. Ooh, one two three, nice. Yeah, we Mock, made it. Locked and ready to rock. Mock locked and ready to rock. Let's do it, guys. Let's uh, let's get down to business. Hey boys, let's get down to business. I'm only going to say this one singular time mm. this year.
2: Oh, okay. Twenty nine so days. So, you, and... you say it again,
1: we get to punch you directly. Damn, you interrupted me, and I can't say the first part. There's certain amount of days until kickoff season, because I already said the first part of it, so here we are.
0: 29 days. T- Thank you, Scotty.
1: <laughs> I almost fucked that up. There is not that much time until the NFL season starts, so it's very, very exciting. Fantasy drafts are in full swing, and we are getting ready for fantasy football season and alongside the NFL season, of course. So, First piece of news here. Kareem Hunt signs with the Saints, question mark? Maybe. Slow your roll. Not so fast, because he hasn't yet. Cream Hunt, this last week, went to New Orleans, and upon him landing there, before he even got to the facility, Indianapolis called, and they offered him more money before he worked out because the Colts are desperate for some running back help. This I, I think some of this coincides with perhaps the – the arm breaking of their backup and the John Taylor news, which we'll talk about in a second, but Kareem hunt, he did have a great visit with new Orleans. um, And now he's going to Indianapolis on, on Wednesday, which is today in order to work out for them and, and meet with them about potentially signing Alvin Kamara suspended for three games, you know, Benjamin he tore his Achilles. So this free agent visit definitely makes sense. Kareem hunt, I think is probably one of the cheaper running backs that's currently on free agent right now, which is why he's more of a hot commodity than somebody like Dalvin cook or Zeke. Mm-hmm. Interesting. You know, I, I think for the saints, we we did find out that Alvin Kamara, like I mentioned, he is suspended for three games. So I, I was expecting more of a suspension. I don't know how you guys initially felt about that, but does this really do anything for Alvin Kamara from a fantasy football perspective in your eyes?
0: Uh, I mean, his, his efficiency metrics have been dropping precipitously for several years now. Great so verbiage. with or with, yeah, with or precipitously? without precipitously. Yeah. Don't ask me to spell it. Nice. Isn't know. that rain? Yeah. Yeah, basically. Um, but if, uh, I don't know, his suspension doesn't do anything for me in terms of his value. Cause I was kind of fading him anyway. Um, but, you know, who knows? I guess if it drops far enough, maybe he's a value pick.
2: Perhaps. Yeah, so. Uh, besides the the rain falling on him, I, <laughs> I I think as we went through the mock draft, we found out pretty quickly. And I think Yeti commented first was like, if you don't get some of those top running backs, you really have to roll the dice afterwards. Like you, you're going to have to take the risk. And I, I well, I hear um, the negative on Kamara, and I wouldn't throw all the eggs in the basket, I think. The four games, the suspension—I don't know the rhyme or reason to it anymore. But I still think it's worth a flyer.
1: Yeah, it, for him, it's just—it's a, a matter of do you think Jamal Williams is also going to be a, a factor in that offense? I mean, he was with the Lions last year, and he's—he's he's not young by any stretch of the means, but he's somebody that he broke the touchdown record last season. He was like their goal line back. So if you think that that Williams is going to be involved in that way, then yeah, it could potentially be uh, somewhat of a factor in that regard. Moving over to Indianapolis, there is some more drama here, fellas. Colts signed Kenyon Drake on August 4th. That was this last Friday with a potential holdout coming and Marlar Mack, as I mentioned, their backup breaking his arm. I think this shows that, you know, especially with Hunt going there as well, I think there's a potential that the Colts fully expect John Taylor to set out this entire season. Yeti and I talked about it last week a little bit and, and the implications of what that would mean with John Taylor sitting out, but... I want to get your guys' perspective on this entire situation. John Taylor has, has, you know, as we hashed it out last week, and I'll just give a little bit of clarity for anybody that's not familiar with the situation. John Taylor decides that uh, he wants to get paid more money. He goes and meets with the owner. Owner tells him, basically, no one cares if you die. If I die, the world goes on. I'm not paying you money. Furthermore, Jimmers say that he then went out and spent $20 million relocating a giant whale from one side of the country to the other. And some people are saying, "Well, why the fuck did you not pay John Taylor, but you're paying to relocate this whale?" So, what the do you whale. guys think about the John Taylor situation?
0: Yeah, the whale is very important and also not at all related. Obviously, Jim Versailles makes his own money, so he can do what he wants with his own money. Hey. And I shout think that's a, and Also, big, I think it's a big whale. it's a pretty pretty genius uh, marketing ploy on his part. He said, "Everyone fucking hates me right now. I'm going to do something great for this killer whale and get some positive." <laughs> awesome yeah, that's good. Um, But ultimately, I think Indianapolis right now is just preparing Uh, for the worst, but it seems to me that they hold all of the leverage. And so the only way that this ends, in my opinion, is John Taylor comes back in place because he's just going to be losing money if he doesn't. And the other thing, too, is that Indianapolis happens to have a ball carrier who is bigger and faster and stronger than Derrick Henry uh, and his name is Anthony Richardson. So you have to expect defenses to be stacking the box all year long anyway. I don't think they're too worried about paying a superstar back. I think they're more worried about developing an offense that is capable mm-hmm. of getting around the defenses that they're going to face because of their new quarterback. So I think the Colts are just yeah. doing what they have to do. But ultimately, I expect John Taylor to play.
2: Yeah, I have a couple thoughts. One, I wonder what the rest of the coaches in that room thought when Jim said that. Were they like, no, we kind of like him.
1: <laughs> we kind of want sad. him here.
2: Shut up. We're gonna have to redo
1: our whole uh, I thing.
2: I think rewinding back to like how you kicked that all off with the signing of Kenyon Drake, like the Colts still have a camp to run and they need running backs to run said camp. So a lot of it also has to do with just having bodies. So while it could be indicative of how the future is going to play out for Jonathan Taylor, I I don't think he sits out. I think there's only one running back ever to like accomplish that in any shape or form, but and he got paid, but it was kind of like at the detriment of anybody giving a shit about him from then on which is Le'Veon Bell I was gonna say, and bell. yeah and so I once the fines start kicking in and he starts realizing how much money is being left on the table I think he will come back and but camp's already moving on right like they've got these guys in play and they're developing you have a young quarterback that's developing trust in all these players so what does that look like for him now you don't need a ton of trust to turn around and hand the ball off but I still think that there's a little bit there that could be broken from then on so it's like even if he comes back how, what are you getting from him and what does the offense look like and now they have all these other guys worked into a lather but we'll see how it shapes out but i fully expect them to be back
0: i'm also interested to see how all of this you know especially in light of other running backs who have tried to pull this stuff in the past um you know the the impression that i'm getting right now is that a lot of the media and a lot of players are kind of on the side of running back saying yeah you're getting screwed but imagine you're a player on the Indiana, Indianapolis Colts, your star running back is choosing not to be there on the field with his teammates. Is that going to negatively impact John Taylor's relationship with his teammates? And are they going to say, Hey man, you know, I understand you want to get paid. I understand you want to handle your business, but we're trying to be a successful football team here and we need you to do that. So you got to be there for your teammates. So it almost concerns me that there might be some sort of ancillary issues that arise because of John Taylor choosing to not play football with his team.
1: I don't know if I'm necessarily, I would be concerned with that. I think, you know, this isn't high school football, you know, this isn't something where everybody's in the locker room and it's, it's week to week basis. Everybody's there for each other. I, th- you know, I'm sure that there is some of that in the NFL, but it's much more of a selfish game, I think in some ways than a lot of people realize. And I don't know, cause I'm not in the locker rooms, of course, but you think about it and, and it's how can I stay in this game as long as I can and make the most money that I can while still being successful as a team? And so I it's, think there's there's a little bit more of a selfish piece that goes into that. I don't know that concretely, but that's just that's what comes to mind when I think about that.
2: It's still a job. Everybody talks about that second contract. I think they know exactly what uh, JT is doing, and I don't think anybody would necessarily hold it against them. Again, I think it's just the reps, right? It's that working into the system. How does this work? Are you picking up? pass protects how long can Jonathan Taylor stay in the game and be valuable. And if they have other backs that are like knowing exactly how to block for him and they're picking up the scheme, you know, there's, even though he's been there for a while, like things still change over time. You, you build in, you know, your, your uh, game plan moving forward. And so there's still out there, but I think it's a business. Ultimately everybody gets
1: it. Yeah. And for me, you know, you look at it, look, let's just, before we move on from, from the Colts here, look at it from the other side of the coin. You know, obviously, we know John Taylor. He's a, and we play fantasy football. So we have our, our vested interest in this whole thing. But you look at it from a, a business perspective and you have a player who you have made an agreement with and a deal with. And then he goes out and he says, I want more. And it's like, okay, hey, look, man, we agreed on this, you know, from the onslaught of, of you being a rookie. This is what we agreed on. You don't get to come in here and demand more. Now, obviously, there's, there's a lot more that goes in, into that. But you look at it from, like a business side. And I think Jim Irsay had even said some of this is like, we had an agreement and now you want to break the agreement because you, you feel as if you are entitled to more, perhaps he is cause he is one of the best running backs in the NFL at this point, but just something to point out and something to think on because there's, there's two sides to this coin. So last thing here, running back, Joe Mixon, he, uh, will he face a suspension Scotty? I'd like you to, to maybe, um, give your thoughts and opinions here. I know you did a little bit more homework than myself on this one. So why don't you fill us in on the Joe Mixon news? You you mentioned there's not a lot, but fill us in.
0: Yeah. So they're they're not releasing a lot of details about this because, um, you know, both, uh, you know, all of the legal uh, parties involved basically said, we don't want to handle this in the media. We want to handle this in the courtroom. So they're they're not releasing a lot of information. But from what we know, from what I understand um, about the situation is that there was a shooting that took place on his property. Joe Mixon was not the one who pointed or shot the gun. Um, it just happened to be on his property. From what I understand, it's a sister that did it. Um, and the charges were dropped almost immediately uh, with the understanding that additional charges could be brought later on. And that's, that's what happened. So now he's being charged with, I think uh, it was, it was some sort of misdemeanor. Um, But obviously, the situation itself with how the NFL tends to handle this, they like to make examples of players, uh, you know, Alvin Kamara, for example, who, you know, just because the legal situation is sorted out doesn't necessarily mean he's not going to face punishment by the NFL, which is possible. But at this point in time, we just don't really have enough information about the situation, you know, to me based on what we know, okay, Joe Mixon wasn't the one who did the shooting. Um, so, you know, what could they have on him? So there must be more to the story. Um, or you have somebody trying to get money from a rich guy, which is also possible. So I don't I don't know enough about it. I don't know if anyone knows enough about it to really say for sure what's going to happen.
1: Perhaps we should not be shooting at each other. Maybe that's what he needs to tell his sister.
0: <laughs> Wise. Yeah. But I, it happened on his property. So, you know, a, a, reasonable person could surmise okay maybe there's trespassing involved you know you have the right to defend yourself we don't know all the details so you know it could be a justified situation it could be a totally unjustified situation we just don't know
1: yeah i mean i here's the thing i think he's probably fine you know it that's me just totally shooting my shot in the dark because we'll see what happens here when it comes to the court system of law but mm, court law. system Slab Dog says i think he's probably fine mm um and, and for fantasy purposes Joe Mixon's still one of the top running backs in this year for me in redraft formats I I really like Joe uh I'm saying it like I know I'm on a first name basis but if I mean he's in one of the most explosive offenses he is one of those three down backs he's got PPR value so barring any sort of suspension or whatever legal charges he may face right now I'm full steam ahead on Joe Mixon
0: uh, we also do have to acknowledge that this is not the first legal trouble that Joe Mixon's been in because I don't I don't think he was in the NFL yet, but he was uh, he did have to serve community service and pay a fine because he punched a woman in the face and knocked her out cold and it was caught on video. Can't uh, be doing so this. Can't isn't be his, doing that. this. Isn't his first run in with the law? Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that'll play a part in can't, it or not.
1: Yeah, can't punch women. You can't really. You shouldn't punch anybody, but you definitely shouldn't punch a woman. So maybe okay, Mm-mm. maybe. He was the one holding the gun, and his sister's taking the downfall.
0: Oh, maybe, or I don't know if it was a sister or sister's boyfriend, is what you have written, and I don't know.
1: Oh, whatever. <laughs> I, I hope. I hope that uh, we're out
0: here just, we're
1: out here just the butchering
2: family. the story, not even getting close. Let's just close. make up
0: our own story. I think. Are we sure. sure this
1: was Joe Mixon,
2: or did you just like find an article? Some guy named Joe. It could his be another guy named Joe Mixon. I think it was <laughs> Joe
1: Burrow.
0: Florida man named Joe, Joe Mixon. <laughs> yeah, hands gun well, to his sister.
1: Last piece of running back news here, fellas. Cardinals running back Marlon Mack. He was not their starting running back, but he did tear his left Achilles. uh, And he will miss the season. It's his Mm. second time dealing with this injury. As well as Bill's running back Damian Harris left practice Monday with a knee soreness. He has yet to return. Latavius Murray has been filling in. So, Mm. a lot of running back news today. But this is preseason. This is preseason camp. Players are going to get hurt. There is some drama. we got to talk about it. we got to fill people in because it does impact the fantasy football landscape. So that's it for that. Alan, why don't you uh, take the reins here and steer her. this shit, buddy?
2: Yeah, I got it. Gentlemen, it is list and ranking season, I think, all over Twitter. or Is it still Twitter or is it X? Do we call it X? Or?
1: See, I, I no, I think we call it Twitter still solely because you type Twitter.com yeah. to get to it. I'm not typing www.x.com. That sounds like porn site.
0: You type that. I'm going to look it up. Well, It sounds like porn site. <laughs> it,
1: <laughs> it's, it was very intrusive when my phone
2: just started showing X as the ah, app. I don't know okay. why.
0: X.com you know does take no, you to it, Twitter. Yeah.
2: Does it really? Yeah, he did. It does. He did reroute it. Because wow. you know, fun fact, fun fact, X.com used to be what PayPal was. Oh. And Elon Musk help was one of the founders of PayPal. So he loves the letter X.
1: He does. You it's got weird.
2: SpaceX. You got X his son's name was X. Yeah. He probably does a lot of X. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Anyways, on Twitter, on NFL <laughs> network, if any of the brainiacs have been watching, it is list season. NFL players just came out with their top 100. It's all over the place, but rarely do we have a time in space where we actually kind of discuss a few of these lists. And for fantasy purpose, fantasy purposes, I thought it would be neat to throw, uh, some question your guys's way for us to go around. um, Side note: Did you see Colin Cowherd's flub?
1: Yep.
0: I yeah, with Wayne
1: Haskins.
2: <laughs> Quarterbacks that can't win the Super to Bowl. Be fair, and he th-
0: he's not wrong. No, he's to not. To be fair,
2: to be fair, he was not. He is dead, so he that. cannot win a Super Bowl. But yeah.
0: that was fiction. bad. Uh, he's not that was
2: really bad. That was terrible. That's pretty so terrible. That's pretty bad.
1: I I, don't I don't wonder if he did back. it as like a humorous thing. And it didn't land or like he
2: no way uh, too soon. I don't know if, I don't know if death is too soon for him. We can joke about it. Yeah, we can. Anyway, small. True. Okay. So as part of the list, uh, one of them I wanted to get into was the top quarterbacks. Um, So this is uh, a list of the top 100. um, And these are our top quarterbacks. Uh, Gentlemen, I wanted to just bring this to you to see if we had any thoughts about anybody on here. Um, And then for people listening and not able to see the screen, it goes Pat Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, uh, Herbert, Cousins, Rogers, Dak, Jared Goff, Lamar Jackson. So the question I pose to you, gentlemen, which one of these quarterbacks feels too high and which one of these quarterbacks feels
1: too low? Initially... My mind thinks to so what would Yeti think? And he would have Aaron Rodgers down to the very bottom. I, I, oh man, I'm not. High are, you on that. are you surprised? Are you surprised Hurts is above
2: Joe Burrow and Josh Allen, or does that you think that's a knee jerk reaction from the Super Bowl year? Or does that feel
1: right? I think that's fair. I think, I think it's can within the realm of, guys. yeah, I, I think you know, perhaps Joe Burrow would be number two in my mind, but I think for the most part. I kind of like this list. I think that they're Lamar Jackson, I have a little bit higher up than somebody like Dak Prescott. I don't have a lot of respect for Dak. I don't think he's a great quarterback, and I don't think the Cowboys are going to be good this year. Um, but I, I I, think Lamar Jackson is, is due for somewhat of a bounce back year. I'm not riding the wave that everybody else is that he's going to finish as a top two quarterback. I don't think that. But I do expect him to be a little bit better than he has been in the years past, and that offense is going to look a hell of a lot better. So, Get Dak out of there. Jared Goff feels really gross, but the Lions are doing it.
2: Yeah. Speaking of Twitter clips, did you see all of Dak's interceptions that he seems to be throwing in camp? Yeah, I don't know why. I don't know
1: why they're releasing
2: that footage. I don't know why they would ever let that out of the can. They're like, like, here's him throwing a ton of interceptions.
0: What they're doing is they're actually it's a PR move. They're lowering expectations, which is genius under promise. And that's they've got it figured out down there. So Dak's going to come out and only throw, you know, the second most interceptions in the NFL and they're going to give him the MVP probably.
1: True. Or they're just kind of teeing up the Cowboys fans to win four games this year. So we're like, hey, this is the best we fucking got. I hope that you guys like what we're seeing because this is all we got.
2: So. That's what they should do. They should just start bringing in like ten year olds <laughs> to throw and be like, guys, see, you know, we can't put them in. Yeah. This is what we got. <laughs> uh I, I'm agree. I agree with you. I think da- I thought Dak was a little too high. Um I thought it was a pretty decent list. Again, this was the one voted on by players, so this isn't some arbitrary nothing list. This is what the NFL players think of as the top quarterbacks. I
1: feel bad for Tua, too. I think Tua Mm -hmm. is... I mean, his his brain was scrambled last year, but I thought I think Tua overall is a decent quarterback. And I th- I think we saw him take steps in the right direction last year. Unfortunately, because of all the brain murmurs he had, we didn't get to really see him play a lot. Sure. Uh, but I, I think that Tua, when Tua was on the field, he was doing very well. So yeah. I, I'm excited for him this year. I would put him above Agreed. somebody like Gino as well.
2: Agreed. Agreed. And a concussed Tua may look at that and think that says just one. So that's he might true. He's like, I'm look. the fucking best yeah. there is. Yeah. That might be OK uh all right (laughs) next list this list is uh i don't know this account really but uh the jpa football i thought it was an interesting one but it was the top wide receiver duos and i think from a fantasy perspective we often get so fixated on who's wide receiver one that we fail to look at okay what's the total package this offense is going to bring to me um and so i wanted to present this list um because i had a thought knee-jerk reaction again it has for the people not able to see it the top Ten wide receiver duos, and I'll just go through the top five. Number one, Dolphins with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. Two's Eagles, AJ Brown, Devonta Smith. Three's the Bengals with Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. Seahawks, DK Metcalf and Lockett. And then number five were the Bills with stefan Diggs and Gabe Davis. Again, same question posing to the both of you. List feel right? Feel a little off? Somebody you'd move? Somebody feels disrespected?
0: Yeah, I feel like I'd change a lot. I think I'd probably put Jamar and T Higgins at the very top of the list. First of all, um, I like Tyreek and AJ Brown kind of where they're at, but I don't understand the Stefan Diggs, Gabe Davis at number five. Uh, Stefan Diggs is awesome, but Gabe Davis has the propensity to not catch anything and, you know, have one or two good games a season. So I don't really understand that. Um, I would put them way lower on the list. And then Jay Jets and Jordan Addison, okay, we don't know Jordan Addison. He's undersized and kind of slow for his size, so we'll see how that pans out. But I think putting him on a top ten list right now seems pretty premature.
1: I think Justin Jefferson definitely carries a lot of the weight and why they made it on the list, I'm sure. I agree. I think I would have Tyreek and Jalen at the top, but right under that is is Higgins and Chase, followed by AJ Brown. Um I think Gabe Davis is not that great, I think. And, you know, hopefully he'll have a bounce back year. And also I think Mike Evans and, and Godwin are a little disrespected. I think a lot of I people agree. look at the bucks and they say, well, shit, Baker Mayfield's are starting quarterback. So they're not as good. They're still great wide receivers. The mm-hmm. the fear for me is who's going to be throwing in the ball and can they get them the ball? But, Aside from that, they are st- they have been one of the most dynamic wide receiver duos in the NFL for the last couple of years. So I think having them that low, I would put them a lot closer. If we're just looking at it from a wide receiver perspective, now if fantasy output Correct. that might be a little bit more accurate.
2: Correct. Yeah, from a fantasy perspective, you have to look at the trigger man. But I think on pure talent, I think you're absolutely spot on. Mm-hmm. Um, that stood out to me, and I would also put Jamar and T way up there, but. at number one, but that was just me. Mm
0: -hmm. I just look at T Higgins and say, okay, that guy would be the wide receiver one on like more than half of the NFL franchises. So having him at third doesn't make a lot of sense to me. You can make that same argument, I guess for Devonta Smith and Jalen. You
2: You really could. I think T Higgins tops it. uh, Quick shout out to this account for calling him T Huggins, if you can see it on the screen. I didn't know if
1: that was a miss. Like if I was just seeing things, but that does not,
2: as a football player, that would not make me fear him, but Um, I kind of want to call him T Huggins though, going forward.
1: (laughs) It's just it's it's fun. The
2: the Huggy Bear. Yeah. All right. Last last one. Um, off of the top NFL top 100, we have. Uh, these are the top players as voted on by the NFL players at each position. QB Pat Mahomes, running back was Josh Jacobs, wide receiver Justin Jefferson, tight end Travis Kelsey, and then obviously our O line, D line, and defensive backs. Which I want to stick with the offense for right now uh gentlemen, any qualms with these being the top players respective to positions?
0: Josh Jacobs this,
2: this <laughs> I knew i <laughs> I put this here for yeti. I wanted to talk about this really quick because I saw this and I was like, Man, really? That's who we think is the top running back? Yeah, Josh. Jac- uh, it's hard. just
0: because he had the Russian title, but Josh Jacobs is a very good running back, but he benefited this season from a ridiculous workload that he never gets because that coaching staff refuses to play rookie running backs. And that's the only reason Josh Jacobs topped the charts. Uh, you know, he's he's a good running back, but ultimately, if you're looking at pure talent, I think there are several other people you can put above him.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. I I don't know if Josh Jacobs, great running back, but number one, I'm not sure on. Patrick Mahomes easily is the best quarterback in the NFL, by and large. Justin Jefferson, best wide receiver. Travis Kelsey, I don't know. I mean, obviously, he was the best tight end. My, my only discrepancy with Travis Kelsey, and I know you both are cheese fans, so so bear with me here. If you say blocking, I might throw up. No, I wasn't going to say blocking, okay. to but say you said home. blocking, so <laughs> we'll go ahead and do that. Um, no, my here's the thing: Travis Kelsey is he is one of the best tight ends. The only thing that I don't like about Travis Kelsey, he avoids contact, and <gasps> rightfully so. He's fucking 32 years old he's trying to stay in the league and win as many championships as he can so i completely understand it but if you look at somebody like mark andrews i think mark andrews or you know george kittle's getting a little bit older but he's still getting it done like they are more athletic than travis kelsey is travis kelsey's just really smart and getting open and so i you, you got to give it to travis kelsey but i think that there's some other tight ends that are are athletically better than kelsey kelsey's just smarter I know
2: the the Barstooly boys had a heyday because they don't uh, they don't like the Chiefs. That's obvi- they're obviously like a Bills, yeah, a Homer. But that was one of their points of contention was he doesn't seek out contact. Well, no. the best ability is availability, and Kittle isn't available very much. So
1: no, I, I like I said, I'm not going to argue that because they they're look at Andrews and Kittle last year, they're hurt. But.
2: <clears throat> I was almost I was almost like uh a shame that they put a raider as one at the top at their
1: position. So I think I they did it to, to fuck the Cheese there. fans because they didn't want to didn't want to give you guys too much homage. <laughs> it's yeah. well, well thank
2: you boys for huming me on the lists.
1: Yeah no it was fun. I, I appreciate you uh you bringing that to the table. Now we're gonna go ahead and uh and do some busting.
0: Lord have mercy I'm about to bust
1: I love I like want to say it every time I love that one. Oh, that's so great. Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna talk about mock drafts. We did a mock draft today, gentlemen. We had not only ourselves but some other the um, the Leather Brains team in there. I'm gonna pull it up here in just a moment, and we're we're essentially gonna just kind of talk about our draft and talk about why we made some of the decisions we did, and kind of look at it and and go from there. So for those that are listening, we're gonna do our very best to try and give you a visual verbally of what's going on, but. As I've said, before I pull up this graphic here, what is your guys' strategies going into this year? I kind of touched on mine last week, and I'll I'll give it out again here at the end. But, Scotty, for you, going into a PPR PPR redraft league, what are you doing? Like, with your first two picks, and obviously this is all pretty subjective as to where you're picking at, but not knowing that information, what are you kind of thinking you want to do with your first two picks?
0: Yeah, this is a situation where the listeners have to listen to what I say and not what I did because uh, (laughs) when you look look at my team, you're going to say, well, this doesn't add up. Um, But I tend to side with you, Hunter. I think this is a year where you want to get some elite wide receivers down early. Um, You know, running backs fade away really quickly in this year's draft. And that's true. But it's also true that wide receivers tend to fade away pretty quickly because everyone's trying to stack up on wide receivers. And I think that there's a lot of talent at the wide receiver position. And there's some value at the running back position that I if in, in an ideal situation, I'm drafting wide receiver, wide receiver to start things off.
1: Okay, and Alan, what about
2: yourself? same i I, like you you kind of alluded to it It kind of depends if you're picking at the beginning or kind of middle or towards the end because i think in most leagues it was pretty much like justin jefferson jamar chase and then you wanted to sneak in and try to get one of those top running backs that were also going to catch like like a cmc uh i i've done a few drafts recently and i've pretty much stuck to just getting the top wide receivers. <laughs> like I've done wide receiver, wide receiver, unless I was sitting there and McCaffrey happened to be there and I would take them. But I pretty much stuck to wide receiver, wide receiver, especially as it wraps back around. There's just too much value there. Like you can find similar value on running backs that aren't going to really do much. In a little bit so it's kind of you got to take your medicine on that one like i'm not going to have sexy running backs but my right wide receiver room will be solid
0: well and yeah. like i said there, there's some good value at the running back position so you, you have the opportunity to backfill that spot you know i i don't think there's anything wrong with grabbing cmc or austin Eckler, um you know to start things off but it depends on where you're at because if you're grabbing them at one or two that's a lot of wide receivers that are coming off the board before you can fill in that second position if you're grabbing them at five or six That's a value, and I would do it. Um, But ultimately, if you have the choice, you're taking Justin Jefferson or Jamar Chase to start things off.
1: So let's talk about stacks for just a second because it's a very, very popular thing to discuss when it comes to fantasy football. Are you guys very intentional in trying to obtain a stack? And when I say a stack, for those that are not aware, um, getting a quarterback as well as their wide receiver one. So, for example, Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow is a stack, or Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs. Is that something, you know, those quarterbacks are going pretty early. Are you guys trying to get a stack? Are you interested in stacks? Does it not really matter to you? Or what's your thought on this whole stack thing?
2: I will if the offense's tendency is to pass more. So if I can get a pass, like a pass-heavy offense for something like that, I'll do it. I, not it's not like one of my top-tier things to go to. If it falls in my lap, I'll probably do it. But I'll only seek it out if I know they're a pass-heavy offense. If they're gonna hand it off, then I'm pretty much hamstringing myself from a production standpoint. If I have the quarterback and wide receiver that maybe for a week don't produce touchdowns, so that's kind of the thing you roll into. You root, you end up rooting for a team to score a lot but if they are leaning on their running backs or they tend to default to running it in the red zone, then you kind of hose yourself because then you're missing out on opportunities for two players to score touchdowns that are sitting on the same team.
1: Sure.
0: Yeah. I I tend, I like stacks a lot. I think in a lot of ways they're a fantasy cheat code. Um, so I think that they're worth pursuing. This year is a little bit harder than in years past because the quarterbacks are going so much earlier this season. Um, you know, and I, I tend when I get a or when I when I'm going for a stack, I tend to do it in a pass-heavy offense, like Alan said, but with a quarterback and their. Um... Wide receiver two. So an example: Joe Burrow, T. Higgins, or uh, Hertz and Devonta Smith. Uh, and the reason for that is just based on the values of the picks. You don't have to. You don't have to reach for a wide receiver early. You know. For, you know. If you get Jamar, then that's great. But that doesn't mean you have to pick up Joe Burrow early uh, because you might be missing out on value on other positions. So if you're able to get, you know, one of the top wide receivers early, and then you can get a value pick at quarterback like uh, Justin Herbert and then pair that with a value pick of Keenan Allen, that's a stack that could win you a lot of weeks that you don't have to spend up to get. So I think you have to do it intentionally and intelligently, uh, but I think it's worth pursuing if it makes sense in your situation.
1: Okay, and last part here before we we look at our draft that we did, what helps you guys pick between similar players that you're high on? So, you know, you might be high on... A.J. Brown and Stephon Diggs at the same time, right? And their ADPs are very, very similar. So, what, what, what are you looking for in players that you know are in your similar ADP groups? Like, what do you guys? You just have my guys that you really like, or like, what, what are you doing to differentiate? I'd rather have A.J. Brown than Stephon Diggs, or I would rather have Devontae Smith over T. Higgins because they're kind of going around that same time.
2: I think I look, again, it goes back to tendencies for me. And obviously I know we all watch a lot of football. So we kind of know, like I put myself watching them on TV, like what's realistically about to happen here. And while I love like AJ a lot, I look at other options that are on that team. You have a very capable Dallas Goddard, Devonta Smith. You actually have a quarterback that can run and is jacked and can go pick up what he needs on there. And so there's a lot more, options and variations on what I think could happen versus a Stefan Diggs, where I know Alan, if he's rolling out well, certainly he'll run, I know he's looking at Diggs, So I know when I'm watching TV, if that ball goes up, there's a high chance that that's going to Diggs, And that's kind of what it's kind of a gut feeling and it may not bear out that way. And they may be very similar and it may not matter. But I think for me, that's kind of what I look at. Like what, what do I feel like is going to happen? What have I seen happen time over time with these offenses and who can develop and who could, who do I think is going to get the more opportunities? Yeah.
1: Do like, you have anything to add to that, Scotty?
0: Well, yeah, I just want to agree, first of all, that it is kind of a gut feeling, especially when you're looking at the top tier guys where you know no one's going to blame you for going one way or the other. Uh, yep. But the other thing to think about is just the totality of the situation. You know, Not only are they the number one target, but are they an offense that's going to be throwing the ball a lot? Are they going to be down at all and they're going to have to throw the ball? Are they going to be up a lot and run the ball more often? Um, how's their schedule look? Are they playing a lot of tough secondaries? Are they playing a lot of tough uh, you know, front fours. Um, so you kind of have to look at the totality of the situation. Uh, but ultimately I kind of agree, you know, at the end of the day, um, you just got to go with your gut and, and hope it pans out because especially in the early rounds, you know, you're not going to be blamed one way or another by choosing one guy over the other. You just kind of have to feel it, feel it deep in your bones.
1: Oh, I love feeling things deep in my bones. You know, you speaking
2: of feeling, before we get into who we picked, Matt was definitely not feeling his team as he was making
0: the pick. There
1: were was, was some words <laughs> exchanged, um, mostly hateful words, with uh, coming from Scotty on how much he disliked his team. So let's look yeah. at it, Scotty.
0: You gave me the worst draft position.
1: Well, I didn't give you any draft position. I clicked random, and this is what it gave us. Yeah, so as I mentioned... As I mentioned, uh, it wasn't just us. We, you know, it wasn't just computers. There's a couple of computer picks in here, but we also had uh, our intern here at Leather Brains in there with us, as well as Yeti partook in the uh, the fun, and another friend of ours. So there was a couple live people that were drafting as well. Um, but I, I'm going to highlight ours, and we're going to talk about ours because we're here and we're doing a podcast. So I had the second overall pick. Alan had the fifth, and Matt had the tenth overall pick so let's just let's get into it I, I'll start out I took Jamar Chase at the at the 102 and then I took Jalen Waddle at the 209 as I mentioned I want that wide receiver stack and if you're if for those of you who are looking at my team you'll notice I didn't even take a running back until the fifth round. I think there's a lot of comparable running backs in the later rounds that are just as usable. Now, they're not your Christian McCaffrey or your Austin Eckler, but I'm fine with that because I think I'm going to get a lot of value out of my wide receiver room, and, and that's where I really want to focus on in my draft if I can. So getting Jamar Chase and Jalen Waddle. Jamar Chase is a top-tier wide receiver. Jalen Waddle finished as wide receiver eight last year. I'm totally fine with that, and I'm I'm really happy with my first two picks. Allen, you took Tyreek Hill and Garrett Wilson. How did you feel about that, and did you did you like the way that your team's shaping up thus far?
2: Uh, I did, and it's funny because Mahomes went right after that. But I felt like I, like you said, I it's important to get the top wide receivers, and I think Wilson's going to benefit from having Rodgers um, on that team. I think I, you know, I, I like the Jets a lot, and then obviously having somebody like Tyreek who can score a touchdown at any moment is very important. Uh, But we it's funny because we had similar strategies, except you went tight end there in the third and I snuck in a running back and then went right back to wide receiver. So it's like we had the same thought. It was like, sure, I'll fill another need here. Now I'm back to back on the wide receiver train.
1: Yeah. And and we'll get to the third and fourth here in just a moment. Um, But you mentioned tight end. So let's just briefly talk about this. I'm going to ask you both Chiefs fans. I'm going to ask both of you to put the bias aside as much as humanly possible here, because I did take a tight end in the third round and it was Mark Andrews. However, I want to talk about Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey right now is going in the first round. We know that the tight end position is a much more difficult position to fill because when you have one of those elite top-tier tight ends, you get wide receiver production out of them, but they're in your tight end position. So it's a huge benefit for fantasy football. Do you guys think Travis Kelsey should be going in the first round, and would you take him in the first round if you could? Uh,
0: Yes, he should be going in the first round, and would I take him? It depends on where I am. Um, I think I would not blame you for taking him from the fifth pick on. Um, I think in the first four picks, there are better options. From the fifth pick on, I do not blame you for taking him. Uh, Personally, I would take people like Tyreek Hill, Austin Eckler, Cooper Cup over him. Uh, but right in that range, I think is perfectly reasonable, just given the cheat code that he is at the tight end position. I, you know, He adds value in a spot where there's very, very little value and gives you a hand up every single week or a leg up every single week. So I, don't, I think he definitely deserves to go in the first round. And I would say anywhere from the fifth pick on is perfectly reasonable.
2: Mm-hmm. I think, uh, Scotty, you said it best earlier on, like nobody's going to fault you if you do it. Uh, but I'm going to say something here that I don't think Slaps was ready to hear i wouldn't take him and that is more so because the the brainiacs have to remember this is still gambling and you have to understand that there are inherent risks of certain players and the one thing that has always been good for Kels is that he has been healthy and he's been dinged up now and again but he is getting older and at some point that production will drop off and I think for me, it's like I'd rather stick to getting like a Diggs or an A.J. Brown right there more so than I would have probably leaped at a chance to get Kelsey because I do think Mark Andrews is going to be capable of putting up stats. I do think like a Darren Waller can do it. I do think a Kittle, if he can remain healthy, can do it. And then even at the very end, there's I won't spoil anybody else's draft, but I think there's a lot of value there where you could probably get some production. So for me, while I understand he would be because he shakes out to be like a top 10 wide receiver, I just... You don't want to be that guy getting hold stuck the bag where you see Kelsey's demise on your team because that could ruin you,
1: you know, overall because you're taking your first round on him. So,
0: well, so and, go ahead. Sorry.
1: No, I, I was just gonna say I I, I agree with Alan. I, I wouldn't take Kelsey in the first round. Now, if it was a you know, second round, I, I think if you've already secured either your top running back or your top wide receiver, that's when I'd be more inclined to try and take him. But as Alan mentioned, you know, I, I think I'd rather have Diggs or, or Brown Solely because it's not it's not as big of a risk to take. So you could you could hit, but in the same respect, you might not because he is older. and And when you take him at the tight end position, yes, it is an advantage, but you also limit yourself in another position by taking him in the first round. So that's that's my look at it. I I don't think anybody's going to blame you for taking him in the mm-hmm. first round, but I also stray away from that because I think you can still find tight end production in other places.
0: So here's the argument for it. Um, And like, you know, we all agree. No one's going to blame you for taking him in the first round. I think it's a solid pick. But when you're looking at tight end production, you you know, especially in the later rounds, because I'm someone who waits on tight end quite a bit. What I'm looking for is a tight end who has the capability of being the number one or the number two target on their offense. Darren Waller is a big target for me this year for that reason. You know, whether or not he stays healthy, obviously that's a risk. But when he's on the field, he is going to be, you know, a top tier target for Daniel Jones. Travis Kelsey fills the number one wide receiver role on the best offense in the league with the best quarterback in the league. So to me, there is it's perfectly reasonable to take him as basically your wide receiver one. And I don't see it as a big difference from taking, you know, someone like Jamar Chase or someone like Tyree Hill. You're taking an elite wide receiver one and you're just doing that with Travis Kelsey. The added risk of his age is why he's going between fifth through 12 instead of one through four. So that's that's why I think it's perfectly reasonable to take him in the first round.
1: Well, then I will let you take him in our redraft leagues and I will avoid him yeah. in the first round. I'll stay with slaps. Okay. Uh, Scotty, you have A.J. Brown and Saquon Barkley as your first two picks. Like I said, you were in the 10th round, so you got the the grab and then the grab right after that. How did you feel about those picks?
0: Uh, I was fine. I was fine with those. Saquon, I think, is uh, is you know a reasonable option uh, early in the second round. And AJ Brown, I like a lot on an elite offense with an elite quarterback as the number one target. Um, obviously, AJ Brown could have a better situation if he wasn't in a one A one B you know type of offense or type of type of role. Uh, but ultimately, this was not the point of the draft where I started wanting to jump off the building. So I, felt, I, felt, <laughs> I was
2: so. just, we're just getting, so we're getting to that. I wanted. I want. I was. I was going to ask, at what round do we want to zero in as the dumpster fire beginning?
1: I kind of want to. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll go every two rounds here because I'm excited okay. to see where okay. they're going. I'm not excited gonna have to wait long. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay, Alan, we're going to go back over to you for third and okay. fourth. So in your third round pick, you had the three hundred five. You took Romandre, and then on the loop, you had, you took Keenan Allen there. So yep. you've got three wide receivers and one running back in the first four rounds. You feeling pretty comfortable with this?
2: I am. I think for where I was picking and what was falling around me, um, I knew I, I went to at least get one running back and kind of give myself some production. I didn't want to have like a glaring, glaring hole you want because you still have to you can only start so many guys. So you at this point, I was more thinking of layering in my team. And then Keenan Allen, like if, as long as he can stay healthy, even though he's older, like obviously Justin's going to be launching it. So I was looking generally my theme when I'm looking at players is how likely are they to receive the football? over somebody else sure. and so through my first four picks these are guys that are probably going to receive the football very early for their team and that's kind of what I look at
1: well and I did the same thing you know I, I took Mark Andrews with my third pick and and Hopkins with my fourth and, and Hopkins especially is kind of where I shared that same mentality much like Keenan Allen he's an older wide receiver he mm-hmm. struggled with some drugs last year and was <laughs> suspended uh, but then he came back and he he was the wide receiver one he filled in that role very well Obviously, he's with a different team now. He's with Tennessee, and there's a lot of a lot of argument that could be had there. But we saw A.J. Brown be very successful with Ryan Tannehill as his quarterback. So we don't know if Ryan Tannehill is going to be the quarterback. I'm assuming at this current juncture he still is the starting quarterback for the Titans. And if Hopkins can reclaim some of that role that A.J. Brown once was, I think the value is going to be great for him. And then, of course, Mark Andrews, as I mentioned, we all know who Marky Mark is and and what he means for that Ravens offense. So I was pretty excited to get him as well. So I still don't have any running backs at the end of the four or at my 409. So it's, it's somewhat alarming and we'll, we'll get to that on the turnaround, but, um, I guess I'll do it right now. AJ or Aaron Jones and James Connor were my fifth and sixth round picks. I'm very happy with that, to be honest with you. I, I think James Connor's a little underrated right now or undervalued, excuse me. The Cardinals aren't going to be good this year, and somebody's going to have to move that ball. That's James Conner. He's in a three-down back. He's shown that he can you know, have some PPR value as well, so I really like that. And then Aaron Jones, of course. We all know Aaron Jones. His situation really hasn't changed other than he has a quarterback change, but it's still him. And then you have A.J. Dillon back there. I, I'm not super concerned about it. So I think for those being my two running backs off the board, I'm fine with that because I have so much value at that wide receiver and tight end position. I think
2: I think that's the strategy that if you're drafting or you're going through this, you have to look at because you're gonna have to make a decision like, am I gonna be really strong at running back? Which is really hard to do because it falls off damn near instantly. Mm -hmm. And even if you do get one of the top running backs, you pretty much have to go right back to a wide receiver because you're just the value is gonna change so frequently. So I think When you're defending taking running backs there, I think it's perfect because you're not. That I I don't think running backs are necessarily going to carry teams at all this year. Like I don't think they're going to. They didn't last year. No, they're going to be good supplemental pieces, which is crazy to say. But you really want, especially in PPR, like who's just going to like get their hands on the ball sometimes? Like that's all all you can hope for. And then you're going to watch the game on Sundays. Like I just kind of want to see their name sneak a touchdown in, and then I'll be
1: good yeah for sure and and you know you took a, your second running back in the fifth round you took travis etn followed by scary terry in your sixth round pick how are you thinking and feeling about this
2: good same i think it for me it was a i like the Jags' offense uh i oh can you guys still hear me
0: yep we got yeah. you yeah
2: sorry sorry i took uh I, I just like the Jags offense. I think they really started clicking at the end of the year, and he's going to get a lot of touches. Uh, I also like the wide receivers being on that team. Backs off those safeties a little bit. Backs, you know, opens up those linebackers a little bit too for him to catch out of the backfield if needed. And then Scary Terry. I know we just put an article out there recently on him. I think there's just a lot of value there. I think he's underrated, and I think he's just a, a good a good spot to get him.
1: Is there any concern with uh, Tank Bigby, the other running back that the Jaguars drafted this year? Is there some concern there that ETN might yeah, have less? Value? I
2: think, I think across the board, you could say that for everybody. Like every running back, all the way up to even Christian McCaffrey, there's question marks. You can say, are you concerned with Eli Mitchell? Are you con- or are you concerned that McCaffrey's not going to start all year? Are you, you know, there's so much across the board. I think it's you, things you're going to have to be willing to live with the whole year. Okay, so
1: yes, but no. And then, Scotty, we'll will get back over to you here. You had Josh Allen and DK Metcalf as your third and fourth pick. Have the has the train <laughs> ran off the tracks yet? Or are you still feeling okay?
0: Well, it started to here because the thing is, is that at the tenth pick, this I haven't done any mocks with, her, uh, you know, at the end of the round. Um, and what I learned is that it seemed like everyone on the board, uh, you know, the people who had the best value at the position were people I'm not necessarily high on or who do not adhere to my draft strategy. And the people who I liked were always too far for me to justify reaching for. So I felt like every pick from here on out was like a, compromise with myself, which is not where you want to be when you're drafting. So I took Josh Allen. I normally do not take a quarterback this early. You know, obviously he's a great quarterback and I'm happy to have him on the team. But, you know, looking looking at the, you know, the picks who went right after him, you have Brees Hall, who obviously is a good running back, but has some question marks. And not only that, but there are a million new weapons on this offense and a new quarterback. So we don't necessarily know how that's going to pan out. So I don't necessarily want to take the risk there unless I'm getting a value for it. Uh, you have someone like Calvin Ridley, who's got a lot of question marks as well Najee Harris who's like the least efficient running back to ever play football um Joe Mixon is one name that I considered but again you're re- you're reaching for him um to get him there and he's got the loom I wouldn't say butt.
2: that's that bad though no I, that I don't reach there. I don't think anybody that's he went four picks later I don't think right. anybody would have faulted you for sliding into Joe Mixon those were the two them. people I that I was really
0: I, I was well the three because I, I took DK but those those are the people that I was really struggling with Joe Mixon was the one that I was I was really considering but again you know I didn't feel great about the options that I had at this position
2: so a question for all for you guys right now do you think sometimes we get to you know we're in it every day do you think sometimes we get too wrapped up in the quote-unquote value of like oh i should take a guy here because of this and more so like hey if i really want this guy and i think he's going to produce i don't really give a shit like i'm just going to go grab him
1: it's funny you mentioned that because i, I over the line i mean I've, we've been playing this for a long time now and we have been in the fantasy football like deep in the weeds for quite a while this is the first year where I'm finding myself actually taking a step back and saying, I don't care where their ADP is. I do a little bit, but not for myself, but because mm-hmm. I'm trying to to game plan, can I wait one more round and get this guy in the next exactly. round? But it's, it's not me necessarily wanting to make a reach. It's me looking at other people's teams and saying, I can't yep. wait another round on a quarterback because – and I and as, as you and I will talk about, you look at this draft here, and for those that are, are able to see the draft – if you look you and i are the only ones that didn't draft a quarterback until very late i everybody else had right. a quarterback by the sixth round except for you and i and i popped on the ninth so i looked at it and i said I don't need to take a quarterback here because nobody else is going to be grabbing a quarterback. They're going to be trying to fill in other positions. And so I really, all I was doing was seeing is Allen going to grab a quarterback or not. And if he doesn't grab a quarterback here, I've got time. (laughs) So that you start playing the game at a different level in that way, where I don't necessarily care about their ADP and where they are falling at. If I have a guy and I want a guy, I'm going to get him. Now I'm just taking the risk. Can I get my other guy? or do I value one over the other based upon their ADP? So,
0: And I think that mindset really applies the further down the draft board you get. I think, you know, ADP is a lot more relevant in the first few rounds than it is later on. Uh, and it's just because, you know, at a certain point, they're up there for a reason. Um, but as you get down the draft, I, I definitely found myself reaching a lot more or what people would consider reaching. But, you know, once you get past round five, round six, you're talking about every single player has question marks. So you just have to look at their situation and take, your guy, uh, but I want to talk for a second about DK Metcalf um, because this is a guy who last year we talked about a lot being a stupid. I was going to say, didn't,
1: weren't you like a big Tyler Lockett fan for a while?
0: Well, okay, so. Going into last season, none of us were confident at all in this offense. You know, we were saying, Okay, if you really want a piece of the Seattle offense, why not take Tyler Lockett, who gets targeted just as much and you can get him five rounds later? It's the same argument I make this year for Jahan Dotson. You know, why are you drafting Scary Terry in the fourth or fifth round when you can wait till round eight and get Jahan Dotson, who is arguably just as efficient if he stays on the field the whole year? And Shame so I've yeah. never yeah, sorry, I don't mean, you're catching Fine, strays. I'm going to pick somebody out that
2: you picked, uh, <laughs> uh, Jerry Judy. Hold part. on, we're
0: going to do that the rest of the episode because I made <laughs> shitty picks all day. Um, but no, but DK Metcalf this year in Damn. particular, I think the addition of JSN is going to impact Tyler Lockett way more than DK Metcalf. And this is an offense now that has proven they can be competitive. So getting DK Metcalf at this position where, again, my options are people like Brees Hall, people like Najee Harris that I'm not overly excited about unless I'm getting a deal on them. I think DK Metcalf was a perfectly safe pick here though I'm not real excited about it.
1: Okay, yeah, I actually agree with you there. I think if I was to be concerned about anybody, it would be a with JSN going there. So I don't hate the DK Metcalf pick this year. I really don't. Um, so you did Josh Allen and DK Metcalf in the, the third and the fourth. In the fifth and the sixth round, you did Damian Pierce and Jerry Judy. Hmm.
2: Hmm.
1: What do you think about that? Is this, have the tra- have the, has the train left the tracks in the wrong direction <laughs> this, yet? This feels on fire to me already.
0: Yeah, well, you know, it is what it is. Um, I am happy to have Jerry Judy on my team. Uh, Would I have liked to get him at a better value than I did? Uh, Yes, but I am happy to have Jerry Judy on my team. I think if you watched him play last year, he is the definitive wide receiver one in this offense that has only up to go. So I think Jerry Judy is going to be just fine, and I'm happy to have him. Damian Pierce, I have a lot more question marks with and it's because of the addition of Devin Singletary into that backfield you know a lot I I listen to a lot of fantasy podcasts in addition to our own and it seems like all of these fantasy gurus are all on the same page that oh Damian Pierce man he is uh he's going to be just fine he's all his only competition is Devin Singletary and we ignore the fact that Devin Singletary is the best competition that Damian Pierce has seen in his own backfield since he entered the league you You don't think that's Rex Burkhead no, you know, I love Rex Burkhead, but no, it's not. Uh, Devin Singletary was still remarkably efficient as a runner. He, was, he is a great pass blocker. He, he's a great player, and so I don't think he's going to take over the running back one position, but I think Devin Singletary is going to be on the field a lot. And so ultimately I'm betting on talent here that I do think Damian Pierce is the better back, so I think he's going to see a lot more of the valuable touches, but I am concerned about that pick quite a bit.
1: Yeah, that, that to me, I, I would rather have, just looking at this, um, J.K. Dobbins was still on the board, Alexander Madison was still on the board, and Alvin Kamara were still on the board. I think I would rather have probably maybe not Kamara, even maybe then still. I don't know. Th- this is where you kind of get in a little bit of purgatory issues, and and I understand that i'm high on james connor so i was fine getting him at the value that i did at the end of that round uh but uh, understandably so jerry judy i like jerry judy a lot but let's let's go on to seven and eight here because we are still wrapping so you have christian kirk and pat Fryermuth there at the seventh and eighth turn what are you thinking are you have you hated your team yet or what's going on (laughs) i want to get to the point where you just yeah you gave up
2: I don't even want to look at my draft anymore. I just want to really hone in on where he started yeah. to get depressed <laughs> and
0: he started to get
1: like, I hate my team. Yeah, we're trying to really get you. In well, a, I'll a let you know state.
0: Insight. The moment I took Josh Allen, I no, I was no longer on the rails. I, I was now in no man's land in terms of my normal draft strategy. Just trying to figure out what the fuck to do because I was lost. And so from, from the third round on, I was lost, Um, but I was trying to just find (laughs) the best values that I could Uh, Christian Kirk. uh, People are writing him off a little bit because of Calvin Ridley, but Christian Kirk ultimately is a perfectly fine wide receiver, getting him in the sixth round of drafts, the seventh round of drafts, um, you know, you're getting value there. So I I think that's perfectly fine. And this is an up and coming offense. I always want to buy in on up and coming offenses. And so I'm, I'm happy with that. Uh, And Pat, Pat Firemuth, I think I took him, you know, there's a lot of value later in the rounds and tight end. Um you guys both uh you know took some took some good or Allen in particular with Darren Waller, Cole Komet, not to not to uh you know, spoiler alert. But Damn. uh but Pat Pat Fryermuth is the last one in a tier for me, and so I am happy getting Pat Fryermuth. He was the wide receiver two on this team. Um, I think George Pickens is overrated, and his hype is only going up because of all of his spectacular catches in camp. Ultimately, he doesn't draw any targets. So Pat Fryermuth is going to be the beneficiary of that, and so this is another sort of you know offense that we Damn. expect to take a step forward. I think Pat Fryermuth is going to perform, and so that's why I took Damn. the I took the chance on him when I did
1: yeah matt he was the wide receiver too for the steelers last year so we'll see if that changes but i i like the muth a lot alan we're gonna go over to you darren waller and hollywood brown were your seventh and eighth round picks how you feeling you like those
2: again same same thing it's like who's more who's apt to get the targets who do i like who's you know i think waller and that offense could uh succeed i think you could see a theme here when i took a guy that i wasn't like hundred percent sold on. I generally paired it with somebody that I could easily swap them out with, or there was production where I felt like I could get equal value if things weren't panning out. Um, so I did that with Waller. And then Matt already said, commit, like I wanted to make sure that I kind of had some insurance there. If the Waller injury train continues or it doesn't quite work out, but then uh, Hollywood Brown was a stash. I like my wider, rec- I like my wide receivers a lot so far. And so really this was like when K one comes back you and if they can rekindle, one. I get another one. And so it is a bet. It is a gamble, but if it, if it, they do hit it off, then second half of the year, I'm going to be rolling with a problem or I have some good trade bait with some other wide receivers that if I need to fill my wide, my running back room, cause my running back room is hurting.
1: Yeah. I will say, I like that a lot. I like the Hollywood Waller. If he works, he works, but Hollywood Brown, I mean, he was the wide receiver one for the first six weeks without Deandre Hopkins on the field for the Cardinals. And he was a top five wide receiver fantasy football wise. So love those picks. I at the seventh and eighth round took cam Akers and Mr. James Cook. My running back room was pretty uh, pretty small at that point. It was James Conner and Aaron Jones, so I really wanted to sure up some guys. Cam Akers, I actually really like Cam Akers. He's somebody Same. that for a seventh-round pick is just a steal, in my opinion. Same. Sean McVay, as Scotty has said multiple times on this podcast, likes using a uh, a run one, one running back room guy, and I think that's Cam Akers this year. We saw Cam Akers come on, on the scene after we thought he was going to get cut. And at the end of the year, he was very, very usable for the Rams. So I think that's tremendous value. And James Cook, he is the starting running back for the Bills. I like that. He's got PPR value. They're they're getting him involved in the passing game as well. So I really wanted to show up my running back room and make sure that if one of my running backs go down, I still have some depth there with starting running backs.
2: So slaps, I wanna um, because I remember this part of the draft and I had Akers kinda highlighted because I was like, if he's still there on the comeback. I didn't think you were going to go grab another one, and so I was like, "Damn it!" Because I wanted to take Acres there. That kind of forced my hand. I was like, "All right, well, I really like Waller here, so I'm going to go there." But I agree with you. I'm very high on Acres. I think that Rams offense in general, you know, pulled hamstrings aside and all this other stuff that that offense is facing. I think it's we forget at how good they were, you know, and they still have the same head. They still the same head coach. If they have a healthy Stafford, if they have a healthy like. There's a lot to like there, and I feel like last year kind of people are, well, it didn't work last year, so I'm moving on, and so I, I like Acres a lot there. Well,
1: it brings up the, it brings up the good point. Do you think when, when it comes to drafting in general, it's what have you done for me lately mentality as far as we start to look at last season and, and we write some of these people off for that very reason, do you think?
2: I think it, it depends on the scope you're looking at, like if head coaching hasn't changed, if it was just injury if it was you know cuz some teams just have an injury bug a good case of that too is like the ravens like are is that going to happen again are they going to get back on the track but they also have a change there in the head coaching sure. or in the coaching room so there's there you have to balance it i think people that don't play regularly or don't pay attention or aren't listening to this podcast or aren't following us on social media i think what you miss is what's kind of happening who's coming back what do you need to pay attention to so i I think a lot of these redrafts are just indicative of that though uh of what you said like what have you done for me lately but i think you have to look at the whole situation when you when you think about it
1: sure uh, ninth and 10th round for myself. I finally took my first quarterback being Deshaun Watson. Thank you. Thank you. Hold the applause, Alan. I think Deshaun Watson is going to come back and be usable. Uh, you know, he is removed. I don't want to rehash everything. Cause I think I say it once a week on this podcast, but I think he's going to be really usable. And then I went and got Elijah Moore to pair with Deshaun Watson for my 10th round pick at the end of the tenth there. I like Elijah Moore. He's one of those guys that has fallen tremendously, and I think he is such a juicy wide receiver, too, with some great upside. I think he's going to be the wide receiver, too, for the Browns. A lot of people are... are um, obviously, Amari Cooper is the wide receiver one. I think Elijah Moore takes over from Donovan Peoples-Jones as the solidified wide receiver, too. I, I just think you know there's a lot of, of camp hype about him. Obviously, the, the Browns traded for him. There was a lot of tension with him in the Jets last season. I think he's a great slot guy for Deshaun Watson, and, and I think that they're going to connect quite often. So for uh, end of the 10th round, I love that pick for a, a hopefully a very solid wide receiver too. So going over to you, Alan, for your 9th and 10th pick, you got Javante Williams as your third running back off the board, and then you went and got Zay Flowers in the middle of the 10th. This is
2: where we start to gamble, boys. You know, Javante, I need him to come back and be healthy and contribute to that room. Uh, obviously that offense was a little wonky last year. Got to pray that they kind of figured out, which I think they will. I think Sean Payton is going to figure out how to unlock a little bit more. Do I think they're going to be high flying? No, but again, they also play in cold weather. You know, that ball, you know, gets a little sticky or gets a little slippery and you want to keep it on the ground. I get it. So that's a gamble move. I'm just really gambling that he comes back healthy. Um, my wide, my running back room is that rounds it out. I didn't take another running back. <laughs> that was kind of it. Uh, yeah. And so, and then with Zay again, it's it. It's funny how uh, there's a clustering of those wide receivers in a group. If you look at ADP, like all the Ravens wide receivers, if you don't include Mark Andrews, who I think is the wide receiver one, uh, they're all kind of clustered. And so me, it was just kind of picking young guy. I've heard a lot of stuff about him in camp they seem to be developing uh some a uh, rapport and you know i was like this, this this is a good spot especially since my wide receiver room is already so heavy
1: no i think zay flowers is the wide receiver one for that offense a lot of people are saying obj is coming but OG, obj is getting old you know and and i think obj will draw some defenses and i think that will only benefit zay flowers so i, I love that pick at the, the middle of the 10th scotty we're going over to you ninth at the end of the ninth round, you took Jahan Dotson. Beginning of the 10th, you took Brandon Cooks. I am not surprised by the Dotson pick. I, uh, the, I I think you're a Dotson homer after that wonderful article that you wrote, and you brought a lot of good points to the table with that article. So if you haven't gone and read it yet, go to leatherbrains.com and check it out. It is a wonderfully written piece that really explains why Jahan Dotson is a great value pick in comparison to Scary Terry. So. Um, sorry, Alan, but, uh, and then <laughs> yeah. I'm just catching trays over here. Cause Scott, does,
2: he doesn't like his team. So he's like, Oh, somebody's somebody's got to, somebody's got to take down, go. Taking um, you down.
1: Hurt people, hurt people hurt people. Hurt
0: people. <laughs>
1: and then you got Brandon cooks, uh, who I, I think is, is pretty well too. Cowboys wide receiver too. What are you thinking? How are you feeling when we got to this point?
0: Yeah, uh, I was pretty happy with this little turn here because John Dotson in the ninth round is a tremendous value. If this guy stays healthy on the field, I've said it before, I'll say it again, it would not surprise me if he's the wide receiver one on the commander's offense. Obviously, the commander's offense leaves a lot to be desired given all the changes, including at the quarterback position. But, you know, you're getting a potentially a wide receiver one for a, you know a, a, a team that's going to be starting every week, and you got him in the ninth round, so that's a good deal. I love J- John Dodson as a talent, so I'm I'm targeting him in almost every draft. I would take him as early as the eighth round, um, and getting him in the ninth, I'm real happy with. And then uh, Brandon Cooks, uh, Yeti isn't here to talk shit about the Cowboys, and I'm on board with talking shit about the Cowboys, but. Brandon Cooks is in the best situation uh, that he's been in in a very long time, and he has managed to be a productive wide receiver in way worse situations. He got an upgraded offense. He got an upgraded quarterback. Um, I am perfectly happy taking Brandon Cooks this late. I think that's a bet that is uh, very likely to pay off. One of the
1: more frustrating things for I, I won't say it's frustrating, but one of the one of the more curious things. Brandon Cooks, no matter where he goes, no matter what NFL team he plays for, he still finds himself having tremendous value. He's done it pretty mm-hmm. consistently. Now, very obviously, CeeDee Lamb is wide receiver one in this offense, but Brandon Cooks was the wide receiver one for the Texans for a couple of years, and it, which is, I mean, the Texans were in bad shape, but he still found fantasy out or usage in the Texans offense, which was very shocking. So... I love him where he's currently at. I like that pick a lot. Let's look at your 11th and 12th round picks. You took OBJ and Devin A. Chain. Sweet ass name. Mm -hmm. How are you liking about that? Are you you good with those picks or you wish you would have went in a different direction? Or how do you feel?
0: Uh, this is the point in the draft where I started taking shots in the dark. So, you know, OBJ is a, a player that I'm not super high on. I'm not really expecting him to come back and look like his former self, but he's also a player you can get in the 11th round that has uh, a lot of upside. If he comes back if he comes back and looks as good as he once did or almost as good as he once did, uh, you're getting a tremendous value there. So I'm taking a shot in the dark on OBJ. Um, again, on an offense that looks to be improving a lot this season. Um, and then Devon A. Chain, this is just a guy that I think uh, fits his offense really well. So nobody expects him to come out and be a bell cow. But I think over the course of the season, the likelihood that he sees more and more time as weeks go by is pretty high because they love speed demons on this offense. They want to be able to uh, you know run the ball around the defense, not through the defense. And Devon A. Chain can do that. So I'm taking a bet on him at this round, even though it may or may not pan out.
1: Is any any of this factor in? He just has a cool name.
0: He does have a cool name. I uh, that ten percent pick hurt. choice. I mean, I'd probably give it like five percent. If his did, name did, was was Billy Bob Thornton, oh, that's a pretty cool name too. That's a pretty cool name.
2: When did we get the dumpster fire? Was it before this? It was
0: Josh this? Allen. Josh Allen. Oh, Josh. Already,
2: Allen. that. Oh, okay, he already said. I'm trying to remember in the chat when he was like just.
1: Oh, I think it was like totally, round five.
0: Uh, I, I, t- I think he it was, was earlier. I think. I think you it were was. T- Taking a quarterback in the third round I never did I that.
1: almost called your wife just to make sure you were doing okay because yeah. it was I was gonna I was gonna send you to rehab <laughs> yeah. uh Alan you finally you yeah. finally took a quarterback in round 11 you took Tua Tagovailoa and in the 12th round you took Cole Komet so that was your second tight end off the board in the 12th round and your first quarterback in the 11th round are you are you pretty comfortable with that or how are you how are you feeling
2: um, you know, at this point, I, I think I felt like I was getting more value on some of my position players throughout the draft. And I I keep looking at the quarterback list. I think we kind of play the same way where I look and see who's available, who still needs a quarterback, who's going to pick. And then I just kind of went for it. Um, if you look right before that, the auto draft... put pick two quarterbacks that I was also like, eh, maybe I will, maybe I won't. But then when they took them, I'm like, all right, well, I kind of have to take one here because I don't know what auto drafts going to do, which when you're playing fantasy, you're going to run into guys if you're not in like a serious committed league where they just like don't show up and auto draft is just going to severely punch you right in the your nuts. Whole, your whole <laughs> it's going to put you right in the nuts.
1: It's happened before. So
2: it does. And there's no rhyme or reason to the auto draft sometimes either. So I took Tua. I paired him with Tyreek. I felt like the way I look at quarterbacks Stack, myself, maybe. The way I look at it is if you value the wide receivers on that team so highly, somebody's got to throw them the ball. And I look at them, go take that quarterback. And so for me, it was Waddle and Hill. Cool. If somebody's going to get them the ball, it's going to be too uh, I'll go ahead and take them here. And then Komet, I alluded to it earlier. It's just really insurance for Waller. I needed a good solid tight end again. Sure. just in case something happened to him or it didn't pan
1: out. No, the Tua pick is something – Tua is my late-round target, you know? And it, it, Watson was there, and it just the rushing upside for what he could be and has been historically was too juicy for me to pass up. But I, I truthfully was thinking at the time Watson, Tua was there, and so was Kirk Cousins. And I was like, Tua would probably be the one I would want just because – I mean, you look at it. Tyreek Hill went in the first round. Jalen Waddle went at the end of the second round. Like, both those guys were top 10 wide receivers last year. Somebody has to get them the ball. It's going to be Tua. And, mm-hmm. you know, I I, really? I looked up the stats and I did the homework on it. Tua would have finished his quarterback six last year if he was healthy and he continued his average that he currently had. So, like, yeah, getting him in the 11th round is wonderful. I love that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and we'll move over to me here. I I got... um. Tank Bigsby in the twelfth round and Javante Williams or excuse me uh Jamal Williams in the eleventh round. Jamal Williams wide receiver for the Lions. I love Dan Campbell. I love Dan Campbell. And I wanted to I wanted to get a piece of this offense. He's suspended for the first six weeks weeks, which I think is kind of why we've seen his ADP fall so much. But there's really high expectations for this kid when he comes back. He was a first round pick last year. He uh he didn't really play till the end of the year because he had a torn ACL and and now he is back and then suspended. So when he comes back, it could be, could be fruitful, but we're getting to that point, you know, tank Bigsby, I took in the, the end of the 12th round, You're starting to grab handcuff players you're starting for running backs You're starting to grab wide receivers that hopefully will have some sort of value for you So i'm good with drafting jamal williams having him chill on the bench for a while and and maybe find some usability down the line And same thing for tanks bigsby he's etns kind of handcuff-esque and we'll see what happens So I was totally fine getting him there and then I will round this off my 13th and 14th round picks I got Daniel Jones as, as a second quarterback is somewhat of a relief to Deshaun Watson in case Deshaun Watson doesn't do anything. I don't see that happening, but Daniel Jones was certainly usable with his rushing upside. So I was totally fine getting a, a second quarterback there that I can just hang out on to just in case. And then Sam Laporta, he's a rookie tight end also for the lions. I'm a am La- a lion's homer this year. I'm a Dan Campbell supporter. Sam Laporta is, has had a lot of camp hype and TJ Hawkinson's not there for the lions anymore. Hey. So I'm, I'm hoping Laporta can get some usage.
2: I love the Laporta pick. I've taken him in a few leagues because everything you read about how he's produced, how he's looked in camp, he looks like a ready-made NFL tight end, which isn't Mm -hmm. shocking. Iowa does that. And he's going to be the starting tight end. Yeah. You have a, you you got a starting tight end at the very last round.
1: What makes me really sad is the fact that in our dynasty league, I had the chance to take him, almost took him. And I took Brock Purdy, the pick before. I didn't did. i take him no you did take him but i had the opportunity okay. to take him yeah, I yeah, almost yeah, yeah. took him and didn't take him because brock purdy was sitting in the third round i didn't need a quarterback i didn't really even need a tight end but laporta is just a, a great pick that i really wanted and i a part of me regrets it so we'll see what happens with brock purdy but um, i can give him back to you for a price
0: <laughs> see i don't know if i'm gonna pay that That's the I'll, problem. I'll broker the deal <laughs> All right, get, get the paperwork started. Uh, uh
1: Alan, your last two picks, Geno Smith and Rashi Rice for the Chiefs. I think it makes sense. You know, Tua's yep. got a scrambled brain. You needed some quarterback yep. insurance there, so that's kind of how I look at it, and it sounds like you agree with that. And then Rashi Rice, your Chiefs homer, question mark? You kind of want a piece just in uh... case?
2: I'm going to so my logic there was I don't ever intend on starting him. I I hope he pops off early and I can trade him. Like if I was in this league, I would totally use him as trade bait to secure another running back somewhere so I can get some more actual touches in my running back room. That was my only thought was if he does show enough or if they don't have tape on him and he pops off with Mahomes, I can trade him. I don't ever I would never intend on starting him on this team more of just trade bait. And then you're right. If Tua's brain goes full scramble, same thought somebody's got to get dk the ball somebody's got to get at the ball somebody's got to get jsn the ball so i'm going to take a quarterback that you know they think is going to do that
1: yeah and it was it's very curious because you look at some of these quarterbacks and like gino i think was a top 10 quarterback last year daniel or daniel daniel jones was a top 10 quarterback last year from fantasy football and they're not in the top 10 right now so it's not saying that they're going to get back into the top 10 but like they've done it before you know so yeah. it, it, i think it's an interesting time for quarterbacks in fantasy football to draft because in years previous, we sat there at the top of the cliffs and said, don't draft a quarterback early. The point disparity is not worth it. Last year, if you did, it was worth it, but there was a severe drought in production in touchdown and offenses in general in the NFL. And so it made it that much more valuable to have a good quarterback. Mm -hmm. I'd like to see offenses in the NFL get closer to where they were in the past, where it was more explosive and we had more production out of them. And I, I think this is gonna be a very interesting year to see was this just an outlier or was this a trend towards the future? And, and so that's kind of what I'm interested in seeing this year.
0: Well, I'm Scotty. Listening. Before we move on, real quick, this is why I say, you know, my draft went off the rails when I took Josh Allen because I look later in the drafts when you're when you're getting Deshaun Watson and Tua and Daniel Jones in the last few rounds of the draft, man. Those that's great value. Especially I look at someone like Daniel Jones who not only was able to finish as a top ten quarterback last year, but has rushing upside on an offense that's only improved. So if you're able to get him in the second to last round of your drafts, you don't need to take a top tier quarterback. You can fill that value. Uh, At other positions. So I I just think that's an awesome pick. And Geno Smith is the same way. I mean, you're getting a quarterback in the second to last round who's got he's surrounded by weapons on an offense that's proven they can be competitive. So, again, I I just am still not really a big fan of taking early quarterbacks. And I think this explains it perfectly well.
1: Yeah. And that, that was kind of my mentality going into this was. I don't want to take a quarterback because I think there's going to be enough value in those later round guys, and it, it proved to be fruitful in this instance, and I think that you're just going to continue to see that. So I'm still not not in on the buy a quarterback early trend, and I, I'm tending to still try and stay away from it if possible. Now, if we're talking the fourth round and somebody like Jalen Hurts might still be there, yeah, we, we would definitely consider it, but where their current ADP is and where they're kind of going... I I think I'd rather wait and, and get a quarterback later because there's some of these positions are still much more fruitful in my starting lineup than a three or four point swing in a quarterback on a week to week basis. So Scotty, we're gonna end off with you here. You had Brashad Bateman at the end of the thirteenth and Deontay Foreman at the start of the fourteenth. What are you thinking?
0: uh bateman's a shot in the dark he has been unable to stay healthy but we know that he's a capable wide receiver on an up-and-coming offense or an offense that's going to improve so if he manages to stay healthy that's a great value do i expect him to stay healthy no i don't i think zay flowers is going to come out and be the wide receiver one on this team by the end of the season um but if by chance bateman stays healthy it's a great pick and i will look like a genius so we'll see um and then uh, as far as foreman goes Um, this is just a bet on the fact that Khalil Herbert hasn't had to carry a major workload for basically his entire career. Um, So I don't necessarily expect him to do that now. And on top of that, you know, Foreman's bigger than Herbert. He's, arguably a better pure rusher than herbert so i think he's going to see the field quite a bit now he's not going to be a wide receiver one but he's a great bi-week fill-in and a great handcuff that is already going to be seeing field time so i'm just trying to secure that running back position as best i can given the fact that my second you know my rb2 is damian pierce who also i think is going to be losing mm-hmm. touches um so i was just trying to secure it as best i could with the last pick
1: Okay, well, I appreciate that analysis, and I appreciate all of your guys' analysis. Let's talk about, just very quickly here, and then we'll get the hell out of here. Who had the best draft? Not Yeti. Not Yeti, Yeti
0: yeti sucks.
1: I don't know if he really knows anything about football.
2: Yeah, Yeah, I'm not even sure he was using his eyes when he was drafting, but it's okay. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. (laughs) You just want out of us three? Yeah, just us three. Scotty, we already know, is a dumpster fire. Um, he's got, there's just too much risk on that team. Agreed. Not that it couldn't pan out. I think if you're just going to like betting odds of the three, I think there's just a lot of risk there. I think it comes down to myself and slaps, in my opinion. And I think your running back room, if, it comes, say, if I... we're going head to head, my wide receivers have to play out of their mind.
1: Yeah, I I, to be honest with you, I would love to like this draft. I would love to have this in real life, like a real actual fantasy football format, because I think I would I would do pretty well. I like you said, I think really where the difference for me is just looking at these. I did take four running backs in a row, which is somewhat comical, but I also needed some running backs and I wanted to sure that up because I did wait so long. I think that's where I have the competitive advantage in this one. I mean, you're, you're limited to two running backs. One could be in a timeshare and the other one may not be ready by the start of the season. Um, so I, I think that's where I have somewhat of an advantage, but uh, overall, I I think that you and I are are probably the closest on, on this draft. Granted it was a mock draft and none of us had, had really been mocking in these positions previously. So it's, it's all good, but I, I think I would like my team quite a bit.
0: So I do want to talk about Ramondre, uh, Taking him in the third round, are we confident that he is not going to be in a shared backfield? Are that they is, gonna, that's, that's something the gamble. I'm That's the scared. <laughs> that's the gamble. That's the, gamble. No, that's that is the, the gamble. problem is that gambling in the third round. I mean, it, it's one thing to gamble when you're in the fifth and sixth round, but when you're gambling in the third round, uh. you are expecting to get solid production from that player.
2: I think at that point and knowing that I was going to have to sacrifice my running backs for this draft, because I was not going to, I just wasn't going to have a solid room and I was okay with that. Um, Granted, I slaps kind of hurt me because acres I had circled for quite some time and he took them before I could. But um, I think that's part of the gamble. If he isn't in a, in a share and he does pop off. Sure. Like you guys are all going to look like idiots and letting me take him in the third round. Whereas, you know, right now it's it's i think that is the gamble i think that's the point when you look at fantasy football that is the gamble
1: yeah no it is and like there there is that's Ramondre for me thankfully a lot of people aren't doing their drafts until right before the season starts so hopefully this will get ironed out but that is one of the concerns for me is it is Zeke going to show up? Is Dalvin Cook going to show up? Is one of these big-name running backs going to show up and steal some time from him? And then you kind of shoot yourself in the foot for taking him in the third. It is a gamble. So let me ask you this question. What player was drafted too soon, in your guys' opinion? And and we don't need to pick any of our own necessarily. We can if you'd like. But um, just looking at the board, I have one that I'm eyeing here. And I, I, I don't want to be mean to our intern. Um, but <laughs> Calvin Ridley in the fourth round scares me. And that's probably where his ADP is, but he, let's also remember that he's two years removed from playing NFL football. So I, I, I'm not necessarily, I'm not taking that risk in the fourth round. I still think that, you know, I got DeAndre Hopkins in the fourth round. So I would much rather have Hopkins and Ridley. That's just me personally. I'd also rather have Keenan Allen than Ridley. I think Ridley could be great, but he's, hasn't played football in two years and he's going to a brand new home and a new system. So I am a little concerned there. That's just me personally. I I'm not saying I, I'd be curious as your guys' thoughts, but um, that's just one that stood out to me that is a little scary for me.
0: See, I think there's some risk with Ridley, but ultimately I I don't hate his ADP right now, because again, you're talking about, it's similar to the Deshaun Watson situation where you're, you're talking about a guy who was one of the best in the league at one point in time. Um, so it's, it's just one of those things that I feel, um, you have a potential elite wide receiver one on an up-and-coming offense. And I also think that people are concerned about the target share situation with uh, you know, what we saw from Evan Ingram. And I think Evan Ingram's going to take a huge step back this year like he did for the vast majority of last season. You know, He only performed for four weeks out of the entire season. And outside of that, he was outside the top 20 tight ends. So I think that Calvin Ridley could come in get a major timeshare. I mean, are, is, he, is he worse than Christian Kirk? I don't think he is. So I think he's going to come out and be just fine. So I'm I'm personally fine with taking him there.
1: Okay. Um, well, This last question, we'll get out of here. What round felt the grossest? Mm, all of them. <laughs> well, okay, for not Scotty, but maybe the rest of us. <laughs> for me, it was like the fifth round. That's kind of where, and I think that's going to be pretty normal. Um, but the fifth round for me was kind of where it was like, you could really make or break a team when you start to get in that area, in my opinion.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it really just depends on how the rest of the draft shakes out. I, you know, personally being in this 10th position, I haven't mocked here before. And I, I just felt like I wasn't getting value on any mm-hmm. of the picks. I just, I felt like I was straining the entire draft. And so I would say as early as the fourth round, I felt, I felt uncomfortable. Um, but ultimately even, even your fifth round, I mean, you look at your team, the way that you restructured your running back, position was phenomenal I think I think you handled the situation well I you know I don't think that there's a spot looking throughout the draft that you should be uncomfortable I think your team shaked out exactly as you would hope it would shake out
1: yeah I, and it did I I like I said I do feel very comfortable with this team as a a very usable team with quite a bit of potential depth so if I find myself in a hole I can still hopefully get out So. Alright, that's it Scotty. That's all the that's all the time we have. We've been talking for way too long here. And uh and I need a drink. So I'm gonna Ooh. get the hell out of here. Um Alan just dropped off the call here, so I think we missed him. But uh appreciate both love you guys you, doing this. Love you Alan. Scotty, I love you too let's go go follow us on all the social medias and like i said go read that article that scotty wrote i think you did a wonderful job there explaining a little bit more about Jahan dots and, and and perhaps why he is he's getting overlooked and he shouldn't so Sleep go check you. it out leatherbrains.com cool all right we are out if you enjoyed this episode make sure you tune into our new releases every week on your favorite podcast app Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and check out leatherbrains.com for all of your fantasy football needs. And remember, Brainiacs, a championship should be more than a fantasy.